0: Going on, everybody. It is April sixth at seven forty p.m. Man, it is a privilege and an honor to be here with you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just thrilled. That's really the best word for it. I am thrilled to be sharing this time with you. I tried creating a message this morning on my way to school, but the quality was severely lacking. And so, I'm going to make a second attempt at this time uh, to communicate to you uh, what's been going on in life and. Hopefully a little bit of encouragement and wisdom uh, for you to take in your own lives moving forward. I got up again uh, early in the morning. Unfortunately, I did not get out of bed at 3.30. I got out of bed at 3.42. I listened to a podcast with Jocko Willink on the Tim Ferriss Show. And Jocko talked about the importance of not laying in bed after the alarm goes off. Uh, You know, it's not good for the mind, not good for the body. You got to just get up, get up, get up, make it a habit. And then before you know it, you're good to go. I was able to do that Monday, I was able to do that Tuesday, Uh, but this morning, you know, I thought, oh, it's so early, I can, you know, take my foot off the gas. And the irony is, of course, that one sets their alarm for the latest possible time. You don't usually set your alarm and then say, oh, yeah, cool, now I'm going to stay in bed for a little while longer. If I'm in bed, I'm trying to sleep. And I will say, too, that in the book of uh, Ayurvedic Medicine, it brought up, The idea of sleep and how staying in bed after one wakes up, trying to return to sleep or or as you slowly start to doze back off again, it takes hours to shake yourself out of that rhythm. It's very unhealthy. Better to get out of bed once awake than to burden yourself with the sluggish state. And I will say that I endured that this morning. It was pretty lame. However, I was able to come in and meditate. Of course, I only got uh, 50 minutes in instead of 60 because of that you know, sluggard layabout that I was. However, I do believe the time was productive. When a negative thought came into my head, I reshaped it as a positive. And my friend Jacob, uh, I don't want to say his last name, my friend Jake once told me that for six months he made a dedicated, concerted effort to doing just that in order. All aspects of his life in every moment of the day and within his both his mind and his words. Um, to always find the positive, to always speak the positive. And what was most remarkable, he said, is that it really worked. Like he he changed who he was as a person by the end of it. And then he said he took his foot off the gas and it slowly slipped, slowly slipped. And now he's back to normal life. But, I mean, eye contact is so important. And he and I shared eye contact throughout that story He he experienced that it was his reality, Uh, and I find that just I find that really encouraging. The idea that we can rewire our minds and that we can rewire our hearts, because there is a there's a fusion of mind, body, and spirit that is often neglected. I think whether it's in casual conversation or in the deeper dialogues of what's either happening in school or what's happening in sport. Or what's happening in the politics, or the or the media, um, those three things cannot be separated, and attention must be given to all three. So, went to the gym. Uh, it was another lift day. Fantastic session. I upped the weights a little bit, and thankfully I had the <laughs> the humility to back off um, during some dumbbell deadlifts when I felt my back kind of twinge just a little bit. Definitely trying to avoid that at all costs. Remember, less than one year ago, I was flat on my back and I couldn't walk at all. I literally crawled across the yard. Um, couldn't, couldn't, you know, I couldn't stand up on the toilet to pee. I had to pee into a bowl. Uh, my wife had to care for me. And so my biggest, my biggest weakness when it comes to training is overtraining. I've been training my whole life. I've competed in powerlifting, bodybuilding, triathlon, wrestling. And I, I came from that school, or I was brought up in that school, that, uh, you know, no pain, no gain. And unfortunately, that's that's not how it is. And, and my own ego, of course, I, there's something to be said for my own ego standing in the way of my progress, because I always had to learn it for myself. I always had to experience it for myself. And so even in first grade, this was apparent because... Uh, the nurse, when she saw my posture as I was trying to copy the kid in front of me who was a super fast sprinter, she said, oh, don't do that. It'll hurt your back. And I blew her off, you know, a little little eight-year-old self. Oh, this lady doesn't know what she's talking about. That kid is so fast. Well, you know, all of a sudden, 30 years later, I'm paying the price for that interior pelvis tilt. But I've learned a lot along the way, and I've learned a lot about um, self facial release, which I hope to be able to pass on to you guys. Uh, I've learned a lot about core. I've learned a lot about stability. And, you know, as, as this podcast goes on, I'm going to continue to share those things with you. Uh, I did not smoke yesterday, and I have not consumed cannabis today. I have no intentions of consuming cannabis tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to really try to take the actions that one might claim the marijuana interfered with. Um, I've been battling that back and forth, and I I know it's the addict in me. Like, I recognize that. But I'm grappling with this idea that if I'm doing everything that I uh, believe is true and good for myself, then why not be able to smoke? And one thing that I've recognized is that I do not have time during the week to smoke if I were to do all the things that are good for me. I always get frustrated with myself smoking because... You know, you get ready for, let's say, a road trip, right? And I don't know about you guys, but I definitely burn before long road trips. And, you know, I'm getting all my stuff together, flying around, this, that, and the other thing. But somehow, I have time to go into the back bathroom, you know, break up some chunks of weed, you know, stuffing in the bowl, go out in the backyard, you know, take the puff. Of course, I'm changing my shirt and my... Coat when I do it, I, I put on a different coat that I'm going to drive with because I don't want to stink. And then I go back in the house, put the bowl away, put my clothes back, put it in the eye drops, get in the car, drive away. And before you're five minutes down the road, you realize you forgot like one of the most important things. Uh, or maybe an hour down the road, you realize you forgot it. And what always hurts the most is that the amount of time it would have taken me to do that was less than the amount of time it took me to smoke. And so what I have to face is the idea that smoking was more important than the success of that endeavor. It sucks. It it, it definitely hurts. And so I'm going to continue to just try and do the right thing. And because I need the, I need the strength, man. I really need to, to draw from whether it's the Lord or, or, or my own mental muscle to resist those temptations because leading up to my, my smoking over the weekend, you know, I made it day one, I made it day two, I made it day three. Woo, it's day four. But on day four, you know, the pornography came in. The Instagram, you know, watching these political reels, like getting those heavy emotions. Day five, same thing. And so none, none of that's good for me. You know, I don't I don't want to be doing any of that. And while I certainly don't want to be smoking, um, there are there are pieces of life that need to be in place in order to become the man I want to be. Another gentleman I work with have great respect for, he's uh, the teacher of an alternative program up in the middle school that teaches science, and it's super experiential learning, it's very field-based, they, you know, they're making apple cider, they're making maple syrup, they're taking backpacking trips, they're going canoeing and kayaking, and what's even more uh, awesome about this is that they also explore different religions, they go to a mosque, they just came back from a Buddhist monastery, and before I forget it, I want to share... Uh, I had met with this guy, and he told me that he just came back from it. One of the things the the monk said was that uh, there is no magic other than hard work. <laughs> and uh, man, how true is that? Uh, the, the teacher had written down a couple of those one-liners, and what's so crazy is they're true. You know, and they're nothing. They're not terribly profound, other than the fact that it's truth, and it's a, it's a simple truth, but it's it's powerful because it's pure. And I had caught up with him to tell him what had gone on with my field trip situation. You know, the idea that there were too many breaks now, um, which aligned with what my union rep had to say. So obviously the two of them were, were in collusion and, uh, you know, that I was going to be patient and that over the summer would be the next time to try to approach something like that. And then based on that. Uh, situations outcome, then I'll I'll figure out what's next. But uh, enough about me. You know, I'm I'm just a man with a mic in his second bedroom. I'm really nobody special, and so I, I want to get into the Book of Proverbs. I've read this book twice, and I, you you'd think I would know some of it by now, but I don't. And the book is entirely dedicated to wisdom. I looked through Romans, and I didn't find too much that really applied to to us, the listeners. And I, I hate to say that, you know, God strike me down with lightning, but. I, I think we're all here to get some, some wisdom and some clarity. And uh, scripture in one's life is important. And Whether it's these scriptures or, or some other religious text, uh, something that's been vetted by thousands and thousands of individuals seeking a higher calling. You know, something that's authenticated. It, it might not be the words that the authors themselves wrote, but everybody has good intent when they're trying to do this. Nobody's trying to put their thumbprint on it. And there's enough people going into it that if one person tries to make a mark, well, the other person is has balanced it out. And so we're going to get into Proverbs here, which is pretty much known as the book of wisdom. And uh, in chapter one, we've got a part two here. And uh, I'm not going to go too crazy, guys. Don't don't turn me off immediately. I'm just going to read one chapter. It's got a couple, about, oh, ten verses. And uh, then I'll leave you with a fitness tip. And we will sign off for the day. So uh, it says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head, and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, jail. Even whole, as those who go down to the pit we shall find all kinds of precious wealth we shall fill our houses with spoil throw in your lot with us we shall have we shall all have one purse my son do not walk in the way with them keep your feet from their path for their feet run to evil and they hasten to shed blood indeed it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird but they lie in wait for their own blood they ambush their own lives So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. And in this next little passage, it says, Heed Wisdom's Advice. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates in the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes. When your dread comes like a storm and your calamity comes on like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they shall not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satiated with their own devices. For the waywardness of the naive shall kill them and the complacency of fools shall destroy them. But he who listens to me shall live securely and shall be at ease from the dread of evil. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm i called to the scripture this morning because I listen, or this afternoon, excuse me, because I listened to Les Brown again. <laughs> he really carries that preacher vibe. And he's memorized these passages, these verses. And I realized that I don't really have anything memorized. I, I don't have any words of wisdom or truth to call upon either in the face of people who are I don't know, they're trying to, they're trying to, to, to sway me either to, to their darkness or people who are trying to mislead others or even in an attempt to explain my motivations or to explain the reason why I'm doing something when in my heart I know it feels right. You know, this competency lends itself a, a level of respect that in normal conversation would otherwise uh, not be generated. And so, hopefully, as I go through these passages, I can find some and, and really try to commit them to mind, you know, put a little energy in there. Maybe the kids would like that. It's like, okay, it's study time. You guys are reading quietly, and Mr. Clark is is studying some passages, and by the end, he's, he's got to be quizzed. you got to have him know what it is. And, of course... You know, the Bible may not be the best thing here in public education, uh, for better or for worse. I'd often talk, thought about doing like GRE words, you know, like real you know vocabulary, because uh, I believe vocabularies are like little nuggets of knowledge. And that by teaching kids the same curriculum for all four kindergarten teachers to be teaching the same out-of-the-box script curriculum, we are robbing them blind, uh, rather than each teacher teaching their own diverse passions and strengths, and using those as the vessel by which they can meet standards. Uh, Instead, we all teach the same thing. And so now the next year when the kids are all intermixed with each other, they cannot share those little nuggets of knowledge. They cannot share that specific vocabulary. They cannot pass those pieces around and become richer and smarter for it. We have robbed them. We are dumbing our society down, and it is a travesty. And ultimately, that is one reason why I am trying to quit smoking. It is because my speech and my mental faculties are greatly diminished uh, when I engage in this habit regularly. And one of the reasons I'm also trying to quit is because whenever I try to engage in this habit um, intermittently or sporadically or you know, uh, once a month or just on the weekends, it Always sucks me back in. I always find a way to make another excuse, and so I'm I'm praying for you guys to find a point in your life or a place in your life where uh, you know you're headed the right direction or where you're making the good choices, um, because that's that's really all I'm trying to do as well. I, I I have nothing on you guys. In fact, the the messages I get make me feel quite ashamed because they are people who have accomplished much more than I have in this vein. And I'm looking forward to sharing those with you. And the only reason I haven't, again, is because I'm ashamed. And um, I've got some, I don't know if you'd call them reparations, but I, I've got some, some hat holding to do and maybe some eating crow to do and to let these people know how much I valued their time as they shared their journey with me. So a uh, quick fitness tip of the day is that if you are looking to get into endurance sports like triathlon or ultra running or anything like that if you're truly building yourself from square one I would advise you to try breathing just through your nose only go at an intensity upon which you can continue to breathe breathe through your nose and not have to open your mouth to kind of fill up the tank number 1 breathing through your nose is much healthier for your body uh, because your nose hairs and those passageways filter the air, they moisten it, and they warm it up prior to it entering the lungs. Super good for you. Um, staves off illness. Number two, breathing through your nose. It's a lot easier to do diaphragmatic breathing. Unfortunately, today, one of the reasons we don't engage our transverse abdominus, which is a sheet of muddle- muscle underneath our six-pack, is because we're breathing at the top of our lungs. We're using our mouth and the air is only going in the top. You've probably have heard people talk about belly breathing and filling up the belly with air. Well, when it comes to sports, that's not entirely accurate. You know, you are breathing into your belly and you are kind of filling that space up. But what you need to do is also create tension. It's why the, you know, the karate people go, uh, they're creating tension. So when you breathe in and that diaphragm drops and the lungs are expanding, Try to prevent your belly from swelling. Think of it like an air compressor, uh, and, and if you're not a construction person, well, uh, get, get out there and get your hands dirty, because it's a, it's a great trade, and it'll teach you a lot, but maybe you could think of it like a soda can, and so your core is like a soda can from pelvis to shoulders, and as you're breathing in, the tension is increasing, and that's good. It's it, What it does is it adds stability. And it's why powerlifting weight belts, unlike what you'll see at a sporting goods store, powerlifting weight belts are really wide in the front where they go around your belly. When you go to the sporting goods store, I remember the Nike, the old Nike ones. Man, those things were like almost 12 inches tall on your back. And then around the front, it was a little three-inch strip. And that's because, you know, they, they, they make what sells. Most people thought that to protect your back, you needed a big thing on your back. But the reason powerlifting belts are so thick in the front is because powerlifters actually push their belly out against the belt, preventing their back from rounding. Again, if you were to bend forward and touch your toes, your back would be round. And by having that belt and pushing your belly out away from you, you can picture that pulling your spine in that same direction, keeping the natural arch. And so... The other perk of breathing through your nose, and again, it's not it's not totally necessary, but if you're in it for the long haul, if you have a five year plan, that that would be for the best, is to help keep your heart rate down. Uh, Mark Scott was one of the most famous triathletes of all time. Uh, yeah, it's Mark Scott, and he had a fantastic race where he was, he was tied right up until like the last fifty meters of the Ironman, and as you know, the Ironman is a two mile swim. Uh, What is it, a 126-mile bike ride and a 152-mile bike ride and 26-mile run? Something outrageous. I probably got the bike wrong. Uh, Sorry that I got that wrong. I feel a little embarrassed. But the thing is, he was going against this guy. Oh, it was Dave Scott. It was Dave Scott and Mark somebody. I can't remember. I'm so sorry. But the point is, Dave Scott was Mark Allen. Mark Allen. G. Burr Willikers. So Dave Scott and Mark Allen are coming to the finish line and Dave Scott is just heaving, you know, his arms are flailing around, he's, he's going, you know, eh. but Mark Scott was right next to him, totally composed. Now, was he accelerating? Oh, it's Mark Scott, I did it again. Mark Allen. Was he accelerating away from him? No, they were going the same pace. But the efficiency was radically different, and so what had happened for Mark Allen was through the years as he was consist- consistently taking second, cons- consistently taking third, he decided to reevaluate. And so what he did was he tr- did his training entirely based on heart rate, and he kept his heart rate extremely low to a point to where you would probably feel as though you weren't really exercising at all. That's like a zone one, you know, maybe bottom of zone two out of the four zones. The thing is, that is the place where you build your aerobic capacity. That is the place where your mitochondria gain efficiency. That is the place where your body learns how to burn fat as fuel instead of your blood sugar, instead of breaking down your muscles. And so, if you want to become an endurance athlete, and that is a a goal of yours, I would recommend that you don't go in there and kill yourself every day. That you... Think long-term. You stay focused on the goal. Keep the intensity low. Keep the technique up. Use good form. Work on your core. And I promise you, all the greats, all the greats will tell you that that is the best decision. Um, So, yeah. All right. Sweet. Awesome. That was fantastic. Listen, uh, we got a quote for you over here. (laughs) Epictetus. I don't even know how to say this name. Epictetus. Uh, he's an old philosopher. I've got this book here, Archetypes of Wisdom. And what he, this fellow says is, do not seek to have events happen as you want them to, but instead want them to happen as they do happen, and your life will go well. Hey, remember to find satisfaction in the struggle, and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time.